Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 3 today, uh, so you can turn in your Bibles there. This time as we've gone through Ephesians, you know, I've, I've gone through it before uh, just a few verses at a time, you know, really digging uh, in depth. It seems like the younger you are as a pastor or a Bible teacher, you decide you've got to go deep, you know, impress. And so you take smaller chunks and then you expound on it, uh, you know, eloquently. I don't know if I can do that. But anyway, um, what I have found is that it is sort of like a flying an airplane. You know, if you are uh, a daredevil and you fly real low to the ground, you really can't see very far. And everything's going by real fast. Um, but you can't, you don't see the broad view of the area. Okay. But if you, if you want to really zoom in on a particular area, you know, you can, you can hover around that area. You know, you can kind of see what's going on, but if you really want to know what's happening, you go higher and your view becomes a lot bigger. Um, you can see farther and the whole thing comes into view. And what I've learned in the, in the years of just walking with the Lord, reading my Bible, is that when I super focus on two or three verses, I, I sometimes miss the picture. And if I kind of, you know, come on out a little bit with it, then I see what the original uh, writer of these letters and books in our Bible, what they were actually trying to tell us. And, uh, you know, you have to remember back, I've shared this before, but the early church, when they would get a new letter in like Galatians, you know, a church in Galatia, you'd say, well, what's up today? And the pastor would say, we've got a new letter from Paul. Oh yeah. Well, how long is it going to take to get through it? We're reading it all today. And they would sit and read a, a letter like Galatians or Ephesians or something like that in one setting to the church. And the church would go, yep, got it, stand up and leave. Well, they didn't have much more time than that. Think about how long some of the letters are. Um, not a lot of explanation. There wasn't any of that preaching of, well, now in the Greek it means, because they were all speaking Greek. So there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of explanation. Um, so I think today we have missed the boat in a lot of ways by not understanding. And in fact, chapter 3, it's crazy this morning, Paul's going to talk about that in this chapter as he talks about um, again, it's this kind of the third chapter in a row here of how he came to walk with the Lord and make it real. My challenge to you guys is sort of the same challenge that's been on my heart uh, the last year or so, is to make sure that your walk with the Lord is real. Make sure that you're not just uh, sitting uh, you know, in church, uh, sort of like I've said, just because you stand in a garage didn't make you a car, uh, you know, just because you're in church doesn't make you a Christian. So make sure if you're here today that you leave and you say, I, I identify with Paul in this chapter. So without further ado, chapter 3, verse 1, for this reason, uh, I, Paul, and now you have to say for this reason, what, what reason? You have to back up just a little, verse 22, you're being built together for a dwelling place of God. So he says, let me talk about the church right quick. The whole church, ecumenical, that's a word that means the church around the world, around the globe. All Christians make up what we would call the church as far as what the Bible talks about. 
So he says the whole church, everybody that knows Jesus, they're all being built together for a dwelling place for God because we're all going to live in heaven together is the idea. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, uh, if indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. And then he's going to go on. Now, verse 2 is interesting. You've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God given to me. So that's Paul talking. So this thing was given to him. Dispensation. The dictionary says that it's the management, oversight, administration of another's property. Um, that's the context that he's using that here. And in that context, you have, to, you have to see what is he saying. Well, he's saying that he has been given this management, oversight, administration of somebody else's property. In other words, all the Gentiles, all the other people. He says, I feel this weight in my life after I came to the Lord that there are people placed in my life that are the Lord's people, you know. Kind of how I always viewed my kids. They were, they're the Lord's. I don't take any credit for them. And um, they're the Lord's kids. But he, they were given to me and my wife to care for. And so, you know, we tried. Um, <laughs> I hope we did better than that. But um, it, it, if you look at it like this is, it's mine. I remember, you know, when we had our first child, um, you know, because, you know, y'all, if you're parents, you always remember there was a before and a after, before kids and then after you bring that child home. And that child, when it was laying there uh, at night, I always worried. Back in those days, the, uh, the, the, the infant death, sudden infant death syndrome was really big. The hospitals were pushing it. And it was, uh, it was we really worried about it. And um, unduly so. I mean, if you look at the statistics and all, um, and there's very little you can do about it. Um, but we worried. Uh, we really worried. Well, so at night, I'd lay there, and um, if you couldn't hear the baby breathing, you know, you pop open, uh, you know, your eyes, and uh, you're awake, and you jump over to see, is the baby still alive? And you're always putting your hand in front of its nose, you know? It's like, it's still breathing, you know? So you go back to bed. Um, that was child one. Child two, not so much. Child three, I didn't, you know? You just... You just quit worrying so much. They're going to they're gonna either live or die. Um, but uh, not really. We worried. But, you know, the undue worry wasn't there. Uh, anyway, I'm getting off in the weeds. Uh, there's people placed in your life. That's what he's talking about in verse 2, this dispensation in a spiritual context. But I think children are spiritual as well. They're placed in your home for you to take care of. Uh, as a church, you know, you guys, you all showed up here today, you know, and there are people that are placed in, in front of you at different times in your life, and that's the people that you care for spiritually to make sure of this one thing that you've heard, that you've heard about the grace of God. That's a pretty important thing that your kids hear about or your spiritual kids hear about is about the grace of God because this is what's going to get you to heaven. No different than you would teach your physical children about uh, saving money or avoid debt or avoid bad relationships or all those sort of things. Why? Because I want, I, you want your physical kids to have a good future. Well, your spiritual children are the same. 
whoever's brought into your life, you want them to have a good future. So he's saying, for him, it's the Gentiles. For me, well, it's you guys. It's the ministry in front of me. Every one of us has people in our lives that are placed around us. Some of us are ministers to one. You know, you've got that one person in your life, and you're like, I know, they won't leave. But God's put them there, and they're grading on you, and you're hopefully grading on them in a good way. Um, and it's to show the love of Christ to that person. So we've all got a dispensation. By which, verse 3, uh, or, or how that, by revelation. So this is, the, this is what was given to him, and this is what he shares. By revelation, he made known to me the mystery, as I've briefly written already. I don't know what his definition of briefly, but it's two chapters of uh, briefly talking to us about salvation. And that's chapters one and chapter twos. By which, verse four, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Great verse. Um, He's saying that the Holy Spirit gave him things to write. And he wrote them down in the letters. And he's saying, if when you read, you will understand my knowledge in the ministry of Christ. Now, what's he saying? He's saying if you read your Bibles, that you'll understand something about the mystery of Christ. It's still true today, guys. I have a lot of Christians through the years over my course of ministry that have come to me and they say, my life's falling apart. I don't understand. I don't understand Jesus. I don't understand God. And I say, well, are you reading your Bible every day? Well, no, but what's the answer? Well, it's reading your Bible every day. You know, it's sort of like when people buy a new appliance and you don't read the manual. You know, I know, guys, I do it too. But um, when you buy things, if you would read the instructions, you know, I wish wives came with an instruction manual, but they don't. You know, you just get married and, you know, how'd that go work out? It was rough, right? So, um, you know, things have manuals, instruction manuals and things like that. Well, this is a manual, the Bible is, to life to our psyche, our spirit. Uh, it, it tells you where you came from, where you are, and where you're going. Now, we all like to study you know, the intricacies of where we came from. We all like to know about where we are going. But you have to know where you are before you can map a course to where you're going. And we never like to know about where we are in life. When When you get up in the morning and you look in a mirror, if you're a beautiful person, you love that. If you're not, you know, if you have bed hair, I I don't have bed hair anymore, you know, but um, I used to. And, um, you know, when you look in the mirror, it doesn't fix anything, does it? Has the mirror ever helped you? It doesn't. But what it does is it shows you what needs to be fixed. And you don't hate your mirror for it, do you? You're thankful the mirror's there. Well, the Bible is the, a mirror. It's a mirror for you. If you'll look into it every day, it will show you what needs to be fixed. And, you know, my wife can attest to this. I try to read my Bible every day. I fail. I'm the same as all you guys. You have days where you just don't get in the Word like you should. And she can actually tell. She can tell, like, you haven't been in your Bible for a few days. And you know why? Because it's not... There's nothing magical that happens, but it just seems like whatever I read nails me on what I'm failing at that day or week in life. And we need that. You need somebody that can look at you and say, you're wrong there. You're messing up. 
to where you are. Because as soon as you figure out where you are, then you know where you need to be headed. And the Bible says your future is heaven, but you can't get to heaven unless you accept Jesus Christ and you know that you need him and you need to daily live in him. So that's all he's really saying here, which is a lot, I realize. But he says, by which when you read, you will understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. He's simply saying in the Old Testament days, they didn't know about Jesus. It was very shielded from everybody. But once Jesus came, then now this revelation about Jesus has been made known to everybody. We're so fortunate today. We know about Jesus. Everything in the Bible has come true to to date. The book of uh, Revelation is still ahead of us. And the book of Daniel, part of that, still ahead of us. Um, But as a whole, we know the plan of God. The mystery has been revealed. Back in those days, they knew that Jesus was coming, a Messiah, but they didn't understand what the salvation would actually be. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So he's just simply saying here that he became a minister or one who shares according to the gift of grace of God given. And he says, look, I didn't do this of my own power. It's the effective working of his power. So if you feel like you're failing in life, failing in ministry, I can't do this, that's good. When you finally give up and quit, that's when he can begin. So when you reach the end of yourself, then Jesus begins. And really coming to the Lord in a real way, it takes this. You have to come to a end of yourself. We're all born with the I think I can mentality. I think I can do it. I think I can be a good person. I think I can save this relationship. I think I can save this, that, or the other. And then you finally come to the end of yourself and you realize, I'm not doing such a great job. Uh, I am, you know, you always hear fake it till you make it. And I'm, I've been always like, fake it till you break it. And um, then you're like, well, okay, let's restart. You know, and I've got to back up. And, and it's always going to be about Jesus. Verse 8, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's interesting. A lot of times we come and we say, I'm not good enough to serve the Lord. Paul says, I am less than the least. That's, that's pretty less. Uh, he was a guy who persecuted other Christians, um, delivered them un- unto death. Wasn't a good guy. And I'm sure that he had a lot of very heartfelt prayers to the Lord of forgive me, forgive me. Um, Whatever you guys, whatever I've done, it probably pales in comparison to Paul. And um, what's really sad is that he did it in the name of God, sort of similar to the uh, the Crusades. I don't you know if you know your history at all. They had a cross uh, from you know the European nations that they marched under, but they killed and they slaughtered um, all in the name of Christ. And the church through the Dark Ages, the reason it was called the Dark Ages. It's because they picked the Bible up, they, they uh, made it to be uh, Latin only, they burned all the rest of the copies in the regular languages, 
and uh, nobody could read it, and the, the Bible was out of circulation, and things went dark. The church ruled, and yet there was no Bible. It wasn't Jesus, it was the church. Uh, a very, very wicked, bad time. And all of that is sort of the uh, what Paul came from, you know, on the Jewish side of things. It was Judaism, it was the same, it was just religious junk. And um, he came out of that, and he realized something, that I am less than the least, and even me, this grace can be given. So if you're sitting here today saying, I'm not worth it, you are worth it. You're sitting here, and God loves you. God loves you, and He wants to use you. And He's willing to give you a dispensation, a, a group of people or a person around you that you share Jesus with. Look, you don't have your faith because it's going to save you from death. You have faith because it saves you in death. You're going to go to your death with whatever you believe. And a lot of you, you end up falling away from Christ at moments in your life because things aren't going well. It's when things aren't going well that you need to hold on to your faith stronger. I hope that makes sense. This is, this is a verse 9, what he's sharing. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. So it's to open the eyes of the blind. In ministry, you know, that's one thing I'll say that my prayer is, is Lord, open their eyes that they can see their life in front of them, that they can see what is ahead, that they can see with reality the life that, that surrounds them. Uh, because if you could just open your eyes and see where you are in life really, then you make course changes, right? Right? When you're blind as a bat in life, think of it this way. Um, and I'm not a, don't want to offend anybody in high school, but for the rest of us who have, who survived it, um, think back on those years. Okay, you think you knew exactly who you were, what you were doing. You think you remember uh, that, or you think you thought that you had life by the tail. And now looking back, you go, <laughs> wow, no. What was, what was wrong? Well, I'm the same person I was back then, but my radar reaches a little further. You know, I, can, I have a better vision. I can see clearer now. And looking back, I can go, well, that was a mistake. I should have been focused on this, not that. I should have. I didn't know. It was an honest mistake. So for you guys, you know, honest mistakes, and you wish you could do a few things differently. Um, well, when you get to be 90, if you tarry here that long, you're going to look back at wherever you are today and you'll say the same thing. And I think one of these days in heaven, you'll look back and say, the whole thing was a joke. You know, all of life, I was always aimed the wrong way. And, and you know, it's like science, you know, we always base what we do. Well, it's science. Doesn't change. Interesting that since I was a kid to now, science changes. You know, as we learn stuff, uh, even math is changing. I don't understand it, but uh, anyway, don't get me started on the new math. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church <laughs> to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. That is an interesting verse. So he says, look, if you guys get it, uh, verses uh, 8 and 9, then the intent is that now... And I'm not sure if he means here, because it doesn't clarify, to the intent, in other words, to God's intent 
or for just an intent like this is the purpose of. I'm not sure which. It doesn't really say, but it's an intent, whether it's God's intent or just the intent of the situation. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church too. It's very important that we understand this. What's happening with you guys, the church, as you live your life and you're living by faith in a God that you've never seen, in a Jesus you've never seen, in a Holy Spirit that you, you know, I think I feel him, I think I see, I I hope he's here, and you're pasting God on everything in your life. And the it says here that the principalities and the powers in heavenly places are actually watching you going, wow, look at these guys. You see, the angels, they know God exists. They've seen God. They live there with him. You haven't. I haven't. And they're watching your faith in awe. Hebrews alludes to the same fact, that the angels are watching you in awe, going, look, he's never seen God, but he loves God. Look, they've never seen Jesus, and yet they believe. What did Jesus tell Thomas, you know? More blessed are they. Because <laughs> Thomas, you remember doubting Thomas. And uh, he, he had to appear to Thomas and he said, More blessed are they who, having not seen, yet they will believe. You're, you're the more blessed. You're living a life by faith and that's what Jesus wants of you. Is it hard? It is hard, isn't it? <laughs> to live by faith and to say, I'm going to have a real true faith in this Jesus. I'm going to place my faith in him, yet I don't see him. And yet I feel like I'm failing and flailing around in life. And there's this dispensation, these people that are placed in front of me, and I'm supposed to tell them about Jesus. And it's difficult and it's hard. But the angels are in heaven watching, and they're saying, that is amazing. This is an amazing concept, what God is doing with your life. And I'll tell you what he's, what he's doing. It's sort of like if, if you ever had seeds or you're a gardener. You know, if you go to plant the seeds, if you try to plant them on concrete, it won't work. You've got to plant them in a pot with the soil, correct? And put the water on it. Well, God knows that in order to grow certain things, which if you know the parable, the seed and the sower in the scripture, think about that. And those are all the different soil types. Jesus then explains the parable. He says, this parable, I'm telling you, the seed, it's the word of God and it's planted in different soils, and some it grows and some it doesn't. Well, guess what? There are things in your character that will not grow unless it's planted in certain soils. And we have to have earth and time in order to grow your faith in Jesus Christ. You ever wondered why we're here? I do, especially 2020 and so far this year too. I've wondered, why are we here? Why, when we are saved, does God not just say, and they're gone? Inst- I would love the insta-rapture. You know, you know, it's like when you're doing a message and somebody gets saved and I, boom, well, they're gone, you know, um, it would be much easier in life, but he saves us. And then he says, you're going to live here and you're going not die for me. You're going to live for me, your life, the things you do, the decisions you make week to week, day to day to serve me, to not serve me, to be aimed for the Lord or against the Lord. All of these things are going to start mattering. And they're going to shape and form you and your character. It's faith can only grow in the pot of time.
And so that's why you're here today. And uh, that's why it's hard, uh, because the growing process, there's growing pains as you grow your character. Now, verse 11, according, all this is according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So all of the faith and everything that we're living and walking by is due to the fact that Jesus died on the cross. In whom, verse 12, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So there's your faith. Um, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart. You know, why does he say that? Don't lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Because he knew that people would lose heart as they watch other people around you and yourself going through trials and tribulations. So he says, don't lose heart. Jesus said, you know, when he was praying for the disciples there before the end, he didn't pray that they would be wealthy and blessed and this and that. He prayed for their faith. He said, I pray that your faith would be strong. Why? Because he knew that the, the faith was the weak link. That's what breaks us. Things get bad enough in life and you start losing your faith. So he, this whole scripture is about don't lose your faith. We come to the Lord by faith and we stay in the Lord by faith. Can you lose your faith? You know, that's a big question. I thought when you're saved, you're saved. You know, the Bible is murky. It does say that when you come to the Lord uh, and you believe that you're sealed. We read that in chapter 1. You're sealed. Well, a seal isn't broken. So I would say the scripture supports the idea that when you become saved and you put your faith in Jesus, you're saved. But then there's other scriptures that talk about backsliding and losing it. What do I do with those scriptures? Well, I'm just a mere Bible teacher, you know, just a humble <laughs> servant of the Lord teaching the Bible. I don't have an opinion. Um, my opinion is, is when you're saved, if you're aimed at the Lord, then you're sealed and the Lord has you. And sin no longer will separate you from the Lord because he forgave you for it. But can you blaspheme the Holy Spirit or, or decide you're walking away? The scripture indicates it's a possibility um, though theologically, it's a hard point to argue. So here's, here's I guess, how I'm an I'm a old-fashioned country boy. We visited the Grand Canyon a few years ago. And, you know, if you ask me, can you fall off the Grand Canyon? I would say, well, you can, but it won't happen to this old boy. You know why? Because I don't stand that close to the edge. I mean, you know, the kids, I, there was actually some tourists there that uh, poor lady from Japan the same summer that we were there, and she did, remember the selfie sticks there for a while were real popular? So she grabbed a selfie stick, stood on the end of the grand, edge of the Grand Canyon. They've got rocks there. Got up on one, turned around backwards, took a picture, and lost her balance, and uh, it killed her. She fell off the Grand Canyon. And, you know, well, you, if you ask me, you know, as a, just as an adult, I guess, like how would you have prevented that? Well, don't stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon. I mean, I, you know, it's really not that difficult. Um, so all these Christians that are going, well, can I do this? I mean, would I still get into heaven? Can I slide in, you know? You don't want to be that, that Christian that slides in and Peter's standing there with a fire extinguisher going, whoo, you know, your shirt tail's on fire, but you made it, boy, you know? I, you don't want to be that. I want to I wanna get to heaven and, and you know, sort of, you know, have an aim to being there, know that I'm getting there. When I lay on my deathbed, I want to know that Jesus has me. 
so I don't stand next to the edge. It's real simple. Um, but if y'all want to, if you want to debate the points, you know, start a group. I don't know. Facebook has them. Uh, I'm not going to be part of it though. We have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Don't lose heart. Verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So what's he saying there? He's saying, on top of everything I just said, he goes, you know what? I bow my knees. And that's an old idea you know we don't do that in america we don't have a king but you bow your knee to the king and you just go you know what god's got a magnificent plan he planted us here on earth to grow our character because our character grows in time time's not in heaven time's here you know Uh, our faith can't grow in heaven in fact once we get to heaven our faith, the Bible says, our faith is realized. In other words, you don't need faith anymore. You know, it's kind of like me saying, do you have faith that I exist? I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at you. I, I don't have to have faith. I, I know now. My fa- your faith will become knowing. And I look forward to it. I look forward to not having to have faith like this. But you know what? Whatever faith you have, if Jesus says, I'm going away for a while and I'll be back in an eon of time, you would say, you know what? I had a little thing on earth, a little faith trip down there, and I learned faith, and it'll be okay. I now have faith. Everything I've ever gone through with my wife, I've been married over 20 years, and everything that we've gone through, the hard times, caused me to have more faith in our relationship, not the good times. The hard times that you have with God the hard times in life will cause you to have more faith if you're on the right track. Make sure you're on the right track. So he bows his knee. Verse 16, this is what he prays when he's bowed down and praying, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, again, he's praying this for people that are struggling. Um, he He says, I want you to be strengthened with his might. That's a, a Greek word called dudamus. That's, we get this, it's a root word for dynamite, dudamus. Um, it's an explosive power that he wants God to put in the middle of your life. And if you're aimed towards the Lord, uh, to strengthen the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's not through his faith, it's through your faith. See, here's the thing. If you're struggling in life, you have to make sure you're aimed in the right way. It's, there's no, no sin in getting depressed. There's a sin in how you handle it. Do you act out? Do you run away from God? Do you run away from everything that God's put in your life and away from the people He put in your life? Or do you run towards God? That's a good question. I'd have to say, hmm, well, there's been times in my life when I've ran the wrong way. And God lets you run the wrong way for a while. But we have to make a decision. We're going to run towards the Lord. And then... That Christ will dwell. Some of us, I don't, I'm afraid that Christ is not comfortable dwelling. There's a difference, you know. You ever had the, the awkward person that comes to the house and they sit down and it's just awkward? It's just awkward. And you're like, you don't live here. 
I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing this out there. Wouldn't it be weird? I mean, just some guy come to the house and go, can I come in? You know, like, you don't live here, you know? Um, well, how do we fix that? You figure out who they are. You have to be friends with them. You have to know them. You have to invite them in. And they need to become comfortable there. And then they're friends. They're at your house. And all of a sudden, it's not awkward anymore, right? Um, I'm afraid that for a lot of us, Jesus comes in and he's that awkward visitor. And you're like, how long are you going to be here? Because there's some things I'm wanting to listen to and watch. And you're kind of in the way. You know, it's, it's Jesus is sort of putting a crimp on your style. So we need Jesus to leave so that we can be comfortable. And what he's wanting to do, he's, he's praying not, and this isn't to whack y'all over the head. I'm, I'm saying this to say, what he's wanting to say is, you need to change your heart enough, your life enough, that Jesus comes in and says, I'm comfortable here. I could move in and live here. And you go, cool, that'll work with me. And you see, that's, that's dwelling in your hearts. That you, being rooted and grounded in love then, may be able to comprehend with all the saints... Now, this is an amazing prayer because he's saying, look, if you've shortchanged God, in other words, if you've discredited what God can do in your life and you're trying to solve all your problems your way, then he's saying, no, no, you don't understand. All the problems you have in life are solvable if you'll give your life truly over to Jesus. Invite him in. Clean your life up. He'll do it for you. I mean, he's the only house guest you invite in and say, it's a mess, God. I know. I'll clean it. And he cleans your house out. And if you'll let him do all that, then you'll be able to comprehend with all the rest of the Christians the width, the length, the depth, and the height. And this is all of God. In other words, you've kind of made God to be smaller than what he really is. If your problems, you know, when you say, I don't know if God can handle X issue, you know, well, you just don't know God. And you see, the holdup isn't whether or not he can do it or not. It's your faith in the Lord. You haven't truly given it to him. You know, if you're having an issue with relationships, try doing it God's way. Just saying. Uh, you know, if you're having trouble, you know, at your job, well, read your Bible and try working according to what God says to do it. You know, just try it out. Uh, and that's my challenge to people when they have problems, relationship problems and all the rest. I'm like, have you ever thought about just trying it God's way? See if it works. If it doesn't. You know, I used to tell, I used to be pretty big into working out, and people would always tell me a whole lot about how they built their triceps or this or that and the other. And I would always tell them, like, yeah, you know, you do whatever you want. Um, I, I, I knew what I did to uh, get in good shape back in the day, and, you know, it worked for me. You do whatever you want to do. And... I've noticed through the years, you know, there's all these fads that come along. And, you know, and you go to a gym and you watch some people and, you know, you're like, does that hurt? Um, you know, some stuff that doesn't look natural to me. But uh, they're, they're saying it's a fad. It works for a while. Or you buy extremely expensive workout equipment that, uh, you know, and I, I, you may be into digital workout stuff, but, you know, uh, you don't have to have it, you know, some bars, some bells, some this and that, so you get along just fine, floor, you know, you can do a lot. But my point is, is people come along with fads or we got to change this thing up. 
when, when you know what works, you don't really have to preach it anymore. When it comes to God, when you know what works, when you know how big God is, you give the problem to God. You put your faith in God. You do it His way. And all of a sudden, the relationships work. I don't know what to say to people who have messed up relationships, who don't know what they are. You know, this whole thing in the world today with the uh, the homosexuals versus the heterosexuals, it's a, it's a strange world that we live in today. It's very strange. I remember the day when you wouldn't have had to have said, I'm heterosexual. You know, it's funny that they now want all the forms and everything in the world to, to say what we are. The Bible says you were created male and female. And we go on from there. Let's, let's just see. Let's, let's do it God's way. Do it God's way. When you look at what the world says is right versus what God says is right, you do what the world says is right and your life gets messed up, don't come back and blame God. Too many of us are, are doing that. We're guilty of that. You have to do it. God. That's what I said in the very beginning of this about the manual. Before you get too upset with God about how your life is going, read the manual and understand what was God's plan for you in the beginning. And then clarity comes to all of this. So he's saying, I hope, verse 17, that Christ will dwell, become at home in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be then able to start comprehending, understanding with the saints the width and the length, the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. He's beyond you understanding. He's beyond me understanding. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So in other words, he says, I want the world out of you guys. Get, get that thinking out of your head and become saturated with God and with Jesus. And your life will start turning around. And I have watched people that were addicted to drugs, that were addicted to alcohol, that were absolutely headed to hell in a handbasket, that all their relationships were down the commode. Um, they didn't know uh, if they were, I've known some, they didn't know if they were boy or girl. They didn't know that, all this stuff, confusion. But as soon as they started letting God into their life, the blinders start coming off. And they go, oh, half of my relationship problem is actually me. <laughs> That's always a real a new one. Because at first, you know, a worldly person, it's like, it's their problem. It's their problem. It's, it's their fault. And then as you get to know God, you start going, oh, actually, there's a few things I should change about me. And you start letting God do the work in your heart. Uh, you know, and you can still be you, but it's, it, and you are you. But with God living in you, you're a much better version of you. I get tired of hearing Christians say, well, if you'd met me a few years ago, you know, I was really, you know, in the world. I was something else back then. Um, you didn't want to meet me 20 years ago. You like me now. This is a better version of me, not a, not a worse version. Physically, I was probably a little better off back then. Age doesn't do bodies well, I've determined. Um, but that you may know the love of Christ. Verse 20 and uh, 21, some of my favorite verses. Now to him, this is how he ends his prayer. Uh, to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. 
To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, I don't want to steal the thunder too much, but I have to. Don't take this verse out of context. Okay, Keep it in the context of what we've just read. To him, to God, he's able to do all of these things exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, what a lot of people say is like, oh, well, uh, I know this fellow or this lady, they're sick. So God, can he heal? He can. This is not this is not what we're talking about today. All three chapters here, the first three of Ephesians, was about you coming to the Lord, your faith being grown, and you starting to let God handle your problems. So what what is this about? Well, this is about having something in the world that's got a hold of you. And you go, I don't know my way out of this. Like I said, I have known people that were... Um, you know, really bad, terrible alcoholics. Um, and you know, it was, it was, uh, it was all day long. They didn't, they didn't act right unless they were drinking and, you know, having visits and talks with them, they said, I don't know how, I don't know how to change this. I've even come to the Lord. I've come to church, but I can't change it. And, you know, as long as they kept trying to deal with it, and I'm not against, you know, the world's way of dealing with it. There's all the alcoholics meetings and everything, and all that stuff has its place. However, if and when you give it to Jesus, he can do something and he can turn it around. And the particular fellow that I knew, he passed away uh, later. We were friends for a lot of years, but he eventually won. And he says, I won when Jesus wasn't just a word, when Jesus was in my heart. And once Jesus actually had a hold of me, he said, I pretended for a lot of years. Um, but when it became real, I won. And you know what? A lot of things in life, that's how it is. Um, as long as you pretend that Jesus is Lord, nothing changes. As soon as Jesus really gets a hold of your life, it changes you. And um, I don't know, it, it turns you into a different person. There's a verse, uh, Isaiah 40, I'll read this to you, if I can get to it. Because this is what he's talking about. Isaiah 40, verse 29, it says there, he gives power to the weak. So if that's you today, he gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men will utterly fall. So he says, this is, this is normal for young people to faint and be weary. The young men, they'll utterly fall or fail. Um, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. And I love that in Isaiah because that's demonstrating what Ephesians uh, 3.20 is trying to tell us, if you'll give your life over to Jesus, He will absolutely change you. It, you'll still go through hard times, but there'll be something new to reach down deep and grab a hold of that will give you strength. And it's the power of God. And uh, only here on earth can you get down, wore down that hard where that even kicks in. Look at this whole living here on earth uh, planet Earth as a grand experiment, and it is very similar. If you've ever done any kind of an exercise routine, it's very similar. Think about it. If you were told that you've got to exercise and become a strong person, 
but there was not going to be any more gravity, no more weight, no more resistance, no more getting tired, no more straining, but have fun working out and getting strong. You would say, okay, with all the knowledge I have on the subject, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to be puny. (laughs) There's no resistance. Then God says, exactly. That's why you're here. Earth gives us resistance, gives our spirits something to strain and strive, and we work through it and we become stronger. And Jesus gives us the power to do that because he can do exceedingly more than what you think is possible with the right resistance. So I no longer pray for trials to be taken away. Um, I often pray for healing. I pray for you know those sort of things. But I don't pray for God's will of a trial or tribulation to be taken away from your life either, actually. Sorry. Um, I pray that he strengthens your faith through it and that you don't fall away. Same thing Jesus prayed. It's a good prayer. It's a good thing to mimic. And uh, so we end that chapter next week. We start getting into the nitty gritties then of the Christian living. That's what the Ephesians is all about. I um, mean, he's just telling you up to this point, make sure that you're saved. My encouragement to you guys coming through this, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged with all of the resistance that you have in life. Your faith can be stronger. Your walk can be better with the Lord if you allow Jesus to become real in your heart. The last three weeks, that's what it's been about for me, is saying, Lord, I want to make sure that you're real in my heart. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the simple lesson, Lord, that we need to get our eyes off of the world and onto Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that for everyone here today, that as we leave this place, that that would be our challenge that that would be our prayer, the same as it was Paul, that we would know about your exceeding great love for us and the power that you have in in changing our lives, Lord. And Lord, for anyone here today that is struggling uh, with anything, Lord, uh, an addiction, if they're struggling with a relationship that is uh, just not right, if they're struggling with a place in life that they just don't like to be, if they're struggling at work, at at wherever, Lord, with health. Lord, I pray that this exceeding great power that you say that you have for us, that it would be revealed in these lives, Lord. And uh, Lord, we need to see your power in our life. Take away the things, Lord, out of our hearts that don't please you and allow us to win in these areas, Lord. And uh, Lord, I ask also that you would just watch over and keep everyone that's here throughout this next week, that you would bring everybody back once again. And Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that just as Paul was an example to his generation, that we would be to ours and that we would be sharing Jesus with everybody around us through word and through our deed, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.